Hello, adventurers. My name's Tyler. And I'm Richard. On today's episode, we're talking about Unearthed Arcana, Player's Handbook Playtest 6. Again! Now with special guest Garrett Phillips. Welcome to True Strike. Hey everybody, we are back again today to talk some more about the recent changes from the Playtest 6 that dropped a couple of weeks ago, but with the added bonus of welcoming back our good friend and well-seasoned DM, Garrett Phillips. Say hi, Garrett! Hi, Garrett! Yeah, we wanted to have Garrett on, um, but we had some mic problems uh, in the last uh, episode that we tried, so we uh, we went with it without him, but uh, we did want him on here because he has some very good opinions about a lot of this stuff, and he also DMs a lot more than both of us, so he's going to have some new angles and some probably new input that we didn't really cover, because he's got strong opinions about some of this stuff. Yeah, that's the hope. So, Garrett, top level, how do you feel about this playtest? Oh man, that's a loaded question. Um, <laughs> I yes, I like most of it. I'm I really like a lot of the stuff that's in this playtest. I really enjoy uh, m- most of the class decisions, most of the direction that everything's taking. Uh, I do have a few. I wouldn't say minor. I do have a few big complaints about a few places where I think that they definitely need to do more work. But overall, I would like to say before I get into all that, I do think that this playtest is great um, for the most part. Right. I I mean, as, as listeners have, you know, already heard from me and Richard. Yeah, I, overall, we were we were pretty good on the playtest. Uh, really, it only fell apart once we got to the monk itself with us thinking pretty highly of the subclasses and not as highly for the revision of the base class of monk. Um anything well you know what do you want to start with monk or save that for the dessert let's um let's do monk last i have that's the one i have the most to say about so i mean when i look at the playtest, especially when i look at the classes in the playtest, um what i have is i have three different categories of satisfaction right and i reflected mm-hmm. this in my playtest survey when i filled it out and if you haven't done that make sure you go and do that because that's obviously how the designers will know what to change or what not to change about the direction of one D&D or D&D 2024, whatever they're calling it nowadays. Yep, that's right. I have classes that I think if they printed them right now as they are in this playtest, I'd be happy. I have classes that I think need a little bit of work, but just minor tweaks that are mostly there. And then I have one class that we will talk about at the end that really, <laughs> really needs some 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 love still. Um, which obviously Ooh. we will have have already kind of spoiled as if you've listened to the first part of this at all, but um, but we'll get there. Yeah. So if you want, I mean, we can talk about the good stuff first and then lead into that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, first off, you know, we we had some changes, uh, some you know some some tweaks that we thought both of us you know mostly that were pretty good. Hunter's Mark being Ranger exclusive, Hex being Warlock exclusive, Fine Steed and Smite, you know, being Paladin exclusive, stuff like that. Good across the board. Yeah, I'm I'm okay with the direction that one D and D is taking, or whatever again, whatever we're calling it, where we're getting more 
spell options that are unique to classes that inform class identity, especially with the paladin. I know a lot of people had issues with the idea that a cleric could be better at smiting and you know having the fine steed smell, uh, sorry, fine steed spell earlier than the paladin had. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm fine with all of that moving into class exclusive spells. That's all fine for me. Um, in fact, the paladin and the cleric are two of the three classes that I would put in the you can print them right now, they're ready to go category. Yep, heck yeah. I agree. Uh, yeah, I, I love both those classes. And the third one that I would throw in there is the rogue, which I think got some really cool stuff I want to talk about here. But I think all three of those classes are ready. Like, I mean, I have one or two minor things that like I don't hate, but I don't love that if you changed it, it would be fine. But I love the new Divine Intervention feature for Cleric. I really like that that kind of cleared up how mother may I as the designers like to use the term <laughs> um, of, a, of a feature that was I love the new paladin smite feature which uh, is so almost in the same vein as the rogues cunning strike feature which is their main upgrade that I really loved both the paladin and the rogue now have this core class feature that allows them to do what they were already doing right sneak attack divine smite mm-hmm. but now they can do it with more versatility. Now, the with the new direction that Divine Smite has taken and with the other smites the Paladin has access to, almost all of them are very much improved on the 2014 versions. Now, basically, you can either do the, the regular Divine Smite, which is doing those 2d8s, or you have the option to do these other smites that maybe aren't doing as much damage per spell slot, right? Like, I think of, like, a Banishing Smite... Right does 5d10 versus at level 5 versus a level 5 divine smite would probably be what is that 68 or whatever the case may be so maybe the average damage is around roughly the same but now this other smite spell has another rider another effect that goes on top of it so you can exchange some of that damage output like blinding smite's a great example blinding smite is 3d8 radiant for a third level slot which is you know, a full D8 behind uh, uh, Divine Smite. Your Divine Smite, right. But you're giving up that D8 to instead have a chance to blind the target and do all these other effects. It's so much just like this, the same vein that the Rogue Cunning Strike feature was, uh, or is, rather, where you're giving up a little bit of damage for other effects. I really like how they have built that exact gameplay into now both the Cleric, or sorry, the Paladin and the Rogue. Oh god, cutting strikes it so makes, cool too. Yeah. Yeah. It it makes marshals that much more interesting. Like now I I you know, before I've been DMing on uh, this Eberron campaign that I'm doing where we've been playing multiple sessions now at level twenty, we've been going for three years, we started at level one, and I've had a rogue in the party the entire time, and the rogue's main complaint before this playtest dropped was, you know, it's just so much the same. Everything I do is the same. Uh, and she and she was right, you know, everything she did was just line up, sneak attack, shoot, and that's it. Now, you know, yeah. in the couple sessions that we've had with Cunning Strike, now she has an option to, you know, try and disarm people, to try and blind people, to try and knock them out. Like, all of these different f- things that she could not do before, she's having so much more fun with. Even at level 20, when people have all of these different uh, powers and abilities, now she's feeling a lot more like... Like she has other options on her turn, which was the main rogue issue. So the rogue could print right now. I'd be a thousand percent happy with it. There's like, I have no notes on that one. Paladins pretty much the same thing. Cleric's pretty much the same thing. 
all three of those, put them in print. Let's go. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good point because my wife, uh, she's played a rogue for years in our home game and watching the other cleric in the party or the sorcerer in the party, she really did. She got in that groove as well of, all right, I'm a, I'm a rogue. This is what I do. I line up sneak attack. I do this. All right, cool. I did my damage. Ton of damage. I murdered lots of people. Yeah. But <laughs> right. I don't, and that was it. Yeah, that was it. I want a little utility. So since then, she's played, you know, casters and stuff like that. And she's, it's a couple games in and she's always like, I don't, I don't kill as well as I used to. This isn't as much fun. She's like, I guess, you know, I think I want to play Rogue again next game. And I'm like, you sure? And this really would, like, I think it would solve that issue of now I can still do what I do best. I can, I can be the best Rogue I can be, but still have the options to just mix it up and do all kinds of cool abilities. So I, I really love the direction they're going here. With uh, Paladins, really quick, um, with Smites being, you know, a, a spell now, you cool with that? Like, you know, getting a, a Smite counterspelled at the last second? <laughs> Look, I have no problem with it. it. I understand that people are going to be like, well, it's kind of weird. It didn't used to be a smell, a spell. Now it's got all of these restrictions. You can't do it in the anti-magic field. You can't, you know, you might be counterspelled, all these things. To me, the Paladin had a very similar issue in terms of gameplay that the Rogue did that this fixes, right? Because, yes, mm-hmm. Divine Smite has been nerfed. I mean, let's be real. Now it requires bonus action. Now it's a spell, so it has that ability to be countered spell. That is a nerf from what Divine Spite used to be able to do for you. But the old Paladin, you know, most people would build it and they would just say, let's focus, let's put all of my spell slots in Divine Smite. Let's try crit fish so I can get maximum damage. And that's all they would do. I mean, a lot of Paladins in my games would just do nothing but fish for that really good opportunity to smite things and blow all their spell slots on it. And now that's not... I mean, that's the proper way to play a paladin. Well, <laughs> right, but nuke. so but so that's the same exact issue that the rogue has, right? Because it's the same thing. Right. You're just looking to maximize that sneak attack, and that's really all you're doing in your turn. You don't have any type of turn uh, texture, you know, as like I like to call it. There's no reason to break your gameplay loop. Now, right, you're still kind of doing that with the Divine Smite suite, or the Paladin Smite Suite, rather. But now they are incentivized to use these other spells, which all have gotten buffed, except for one. All of the Smites are pretty much universally across the board better than they used to be. And now they're worth using. And yes, Divine Smite had to kind of get a little bit of a nerf to make all of that balance together. But I prefer it mm-hmm. that way. I prefer to take that yeah, one thing, fair. pull it back a little bit, so that everything else can be lifted up. The only one that I would like to point out is just straight up worse at this point, is Banishing Smite, which is the sad part, is that it's the biggest one. Yeah. It's the fifth level feature. I'd like to see that change, because it's weird. In Playtest 4, Banishing Smite was good. <laughs> and then they put it into this one, and they took like the worst parts of of Playtest 4's Banishing Smite, and the worst parts of, 2024, of 2014's um, Playtest, or version of Smite, rather. And they put those <laughs> right. two together, and they threw out all the good stuff that play, <laughs> that Playtest 4 did. So I'd like them to go back to Playtest 4 and just take that Banishing Smite. That's the only thing about the Paladin that I want changed. Everything else I'm, I'm down for. Right. I love the rest of it. And even if they printed it as is, fine, it's still a right. lane. Right. <laughs> it's just, it's the one. One, yeah. yeah, I'll give up one spell if I get to keep the rest of the really cool things that Paladin now get to do. Um, but yeah, those are the three classes I think are ready to go. My next category are three classes that I think are almost there. 
I would like to see. Ooh, I like that it's another three. Right. It's yeah. three, three, and one. <laughs> if you can't figure out what the one is, <laughs> you're not paying attention. Um, the three that are pretty much ready to go, but they just need some small tweaks either to subclasses or to the main class would be the Bard, the Ranger, and the Druid. Um, hmm. Let me start, I guess, with the Bard, because I feel like that one's the one that needs the least amount of work. Alphabetically, it goes first. That so. too, yeah. I get it. I um, <laughs> I understand why they went back to Bardic Inspiration being a bonus action over a reaction. I prefer it as a reaction, personally, because it it just feels more like the Bard is taking an active role rather than passing out a passive buff that people will probably forget about anyway. Yeah, it feels better. But I get that they didn't want to go that direction because... I, for example, I was doing this Eberron campaign that I mentioned. We have a bard, an Eloquence bard. And the Eloquence bard you can find in Theros, you can find in Tasha's. And it's a great subclass. But it's very, very reliant on your bardic inspiration and how the bardic inspiration works. And when I made the decision to jump over to 1D&D rules whenever everybody's class was available to them... I decided to, you know, just wholesale... I asked the players... Do we want to play with 1D&D rules for the last part of the campaign? How do you feel about it? Everybody was down for it. So we did it. And then I realized how hard it is to use old bard subclasses with reaction bardic inspiration. In I had to mm. basically completely rewrite the eloquence bard features so that they worked with reaction action economies rather than bonus action action economies. And it was not easy. It was very difficult. And it... I wasn't really satisfied with the way that I wrote the changes. So in that, having that playtest experience, right, I understand why it's back to a bonus action. I would rather it been a reaction from the start and all the subclasses get changed, or I would rather, you know, Watsi just say, the hell with backwards compatibility, wait until the new Bard subclasses are reprinted or something like that. They're probably not going to end up doing that. That's my one minor complaint about the main bard class but my real complaint and what i really want to see change before bard gets printed is in the subclasses specifically there's three subclasses that need some kind of a tweaking in one way or the other let me first say i love the college of dance as a theme i think it's great i do think it's way too strong <laughs> i think that the specifically the level six feature is just the leading evasion and tandem footwork are overtuned. They're too good, and they're like you get leading evasion, which is way better than regular evasion. A, full, a whole level early than like earlier than the rogue, much earlier than the monk. I think if I remember correctly, it's just too much. I don't know how to fix that now that there's not another feature until seventeenth level, and I don't really want them to lose leading invasion. I don't know if leading evasion maybe has to go back to fourteenth. And then they make a new level six feature. I don't really know what the answer there is, but I just know that their level six feature between tandem footwork and leading evasion being the way that it is, is just a little too much for the bard to get in, in a subclass. Uh, I've heard people complain about like, this is a better monk than a monk because it's got agile strikes and all this kind of stuff and unarmored defense. Let me just say, everybody's a better monk than a monk. That doesn't really matter. <laughs> um, and Nothing's changed. And also... Dazzling footwork, like, Agile Strikes is really not that much more useful to a bard than Unarmed Strikes is to a munch, or to a monk, rather. Uh, it, it's fine. Like, I don't think that it's really stepping on monk toes other than leading evasion, which it certainly is. And it's also stepping on the rogue's toes there. So I'd like to see that tweaked a little bit. 
Um, and then the other thing that I have to say about the Bard is College of Lore and College of Valor. You can tell these are old subclasses. And I know they've got some updates, minor ones at best. But you can tell by looking at the College of Dance and the College of Glamour and then looking at Lore and, and Valor what year these subclasses were originally designed. Which is to basically just say College of Lore and College of Valor need a facelift a little bit. They don't need a lot, especially College of Lore, because Cutting Wars is such a strong feature. But it's just the, the subclasses, both of them are so... Bore, like Not boring, but bland. They're both very mm-hmm. straightforward, and they don't really change too much about like the look or feel of your bard. I know that Valor gives you like armor proficiencies and your weapon... But even College of Valor Bards, if you've ever played one in practice, they're not using that extra attack very often. They're giving out your combat inspiration. They're wearing heavier, a little bit heavier armor. But they're not, like, they're not getting up there and gishing it with the rest of the, you know, melee-focused spellcasting subclasses. So I would like to see they them get just a little bit more of a, of a flashier substance in their base classes. Uh, especially College of Valor, I would love to see like battle magic and extra attack feel like weird. Why are they two separate features? Why aren't isn't that just like why is an extra attack at level six the same as the Blade Singer extra attack, which is basically what their battle magic level fourteen feature is? Like, why can't you just attack twice on your turn and one of them can be a cantrip? Like that seems like a much more elegant feature than the way that they currently have it. And then give them a new level fourteen feature that doesn't use a bonus action. That you know interrupts your bardic inspiration use. Like I just would like to see the the tail end of those subclasses get a little bit cleaner and a little bit more to do. But otherwise, I like the bard. Yeah, it does kind of seem like they are not as flashy as all the other subclasses in this playtest, especially when you're looking at like you know the monk uh, subclasses. And that's the, not to say that the bard know, subclasses, <clears throat> specifically those two, it's not to say that they need. A power boost. I think Valor and Lore, even today, are still two of the better subclasses that Bards have gotten. Their power is okay. It's just, it's really just the the how it feels. Like it feels like you're not getting a lot of features for Valor Bard in the last two subclass features. You know, the Lore Bard, yeah. all of its power is in cutting words, which is fine. But the, can you tell me what the other features of the Lore Bard are off the top of your head? Yeah, well, only because I'm looking at them. Well, okay, yeah. so yeah, that doesn't count. <laughs> no, outside of that, <laughs> exactly, yeah, they're just uninteresting. Exactly, everybody knows cutting words, and that's basically it, which is fine. But give them something else that's a little, like, nicer, a little cooler to do. You know, it doesn't have to be a huge power boost, but give it something that feels better at the table. Um, but yeah, those are my main thoughts with Bard. I really love the new Magical Secrets. I like the idea of them being the most versatile caster that they can just kind of cast from any list they want by the time they get there to level 10. I love that they get to choose their um, spell list at their, you know, when they start getting spell casting immediately. I love the idea of that because then it gives you different flavors of bard. You can have that, you know, weird hermit in the woods bard. You can have that bard that is basically like a herald for a, a temple. Uh, or you can have your traditional like singing and throwing out illusions arcane bard. I like that there's uh, different texture and flavor to bards now, and I really oh, love yeah. their new and capstone. Always, I love their new capstone. Been so like a such a creative, you know, class to play and stuff, and being able to actually like tweak it like partway through your leveling, mm. it's so fun. 
Yeah. And words of creation is great. Words of creation is exactly oh, how yeah. being able to do heal or kill. Right. <laughs> and then, you know, a second creature. And it's funny because those aren't even the strongest ninth level spells that a bard or any class can get, right? But because of how it is like thematic, because of how it does have a good amount of power, it feels like the perfect capstone to me, right? It's not so overwhelming that you forget that you have other things to do by that level, but it's so uh, thematically fun and it's just good enough that this is how I would like capstones to be designed going forward, honestly. I love it. Yeah, it's a great example of what they should strive to achieve with all the classes, and, you know, hopefully they'll nail it. Now, really quick on the, uh, you know, College of Dance and stuff. Man, they, it's got to be powerful because they're competing with Dimension 20's Fantasy High. <laughs> if it's, you're going to have one dancing subclass, you got to outdo it for the real thing, right? I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> oh, I do. Um, I love Fantasy High, so thank you for that reference. That was fun. Uh, like I said, I'm totally fine with it being a good subclass. I just think it needs to be a good subclass that isn't better at the rogue's core stick or better at the bard's core st- or monk's core stick than those two classes are. That's all. Hey, you know. But maybe that's on the monk. Maybe the monk's got to step it up. You oh. know, they got to step of the wind and just get a little better. The monk yeah. definitely needs to step it, it up. It won't seem as powerful at all. Yeah. <laughs> but we, we can get that in a second. I still, we have druid still. We got ranger still. Um, yeah, let's hit these two. Do you guys have any particular Druid's strong opinion sad. that you want to hit first? Well, Richard just said druid sad, so I think he's got something building up. I, so, yeah, I just was not happy with the, the backpedaling that they did on the druid. Really? Um, mm. Overall, I I do like Druid, so don't get me wrong. I really like mm-hmm. I like Druid, and, and like you said, I think it's almost ready to play. I think it just needs a little couple tweaks. I really liked the direction that they were going with Wild Shape, right? And I'm kind of sad that they backpedaled that because I liked where it was going, and I was really holding out hope that the last thing that we had discussed on the podcast with you would be a thing that they would explore, which was taking those you know those generic stack blocks and allowing you to just you know flavor them slightly in different directions to get back what you know was missing there instead of just going straight back to the old school method like i really liked where things were going and i'm sad to see that they just said nah never mind we didn't like that it's it's no good i definitely wouldn't call this the old school method (laughs) well okay so not not entirely no no and i so no i'm I like both versions, but the idea of actually like prepping them like spells. And yeah, spell prepping book, them. I like actually spells. no, that's good. Do like quite a bit. Yeah, this is it's not like I said it's not a bad thing, but I really liked where they were going with the other the other method of looking at things. As different as they both are from each other, from the 2014 player handbook, and you know from yeah. each other straight up, I do like both of these versions better than the previous rendition. Yeah, here's what I'll yeah. say: two things. One. I don't think this is Wizards of the Coast saying we didn't like this and backpedaling. I think this is Wizards of the Coast saying y'all did not like this, so we are backpedaling. Because that True. was their yeah, main yeah, feedback. So people for, hated yeah. the templates. Right, exactly. Templates, yeah. Now, do I think they have nailed it completely yet? No. In fact, funny enough, Wild Shape is one of the two big complaints about Druid that I feel holds it back from being ready to go. Because I love 99% of the Druid. I think it's really cool how they have uh, improved the core class with the, the Elemental Fury features. I love Wild Resurgence, and we didn't really talk about this with the Bard, but the Bard gets a similar feature where I love that these 
non-wizard, non-sorcerer casters are getting the option to now expend all of these extra spell slots they have to do their core, you know, gameplay mechanic. I love that the druid yeah, can just spend loop, spell slots to wild shape. I love that the bard can use spell slots to get back bardic inspiration. Love those features. As far as the wild shape itself, my main complaint, I have two complaints with wild shape. One has to do with how it interacts with Circle of the Moon, and one how it is how it has to do with just plays playing at the table, players at the table. I like the idea of limiting wild shapes known. I like the idea of preparing them like you do spells. What I don't like as a DM is I don't like my players opening up the monster manual and rummaging through it to try and find beast spells. Because one, or beast <laughs> shapes. Because one, it's so much more work for the player. It's now the player has to do so much extra just to get their core feature to be functional. But two, you know, not that I think my players would cheat. I don't think any real, like any standard player is going to just take the monster manual and go cheat about it. But you know how much more tempting it is to go and look at that dragon stat block while you're in there? Because you know there's a dragon fight coming up, and you had to go and check out what beast you're going to prepare. So, oh, well, look at there. There's the dragon in front of me. Maybe I should take a peek. Like that, Maybe I'll just look at it. And also, too, like, why should a player have to buy the monster manual just to get the full use out of their core play gameplay feature? That shouldn't have to happen. So what I would like to see is I would like... For, you know, on the back of the player's handbook, they have the stat blocks for, like, NPCs and some minor creatures. Just put, if we're not going to get templates, and we're going to stick with this kind of general theme, just put an entire, like, sub-chapter in the back of the 2024 player's handbook that is de dedicated to wild shape options. And just put it in the core, in the druid class. Just say, when you're preparing your wild shapes for this druid refer to chapter blank in this book there's all your wild shape options and then you also get the chance to fix my other big complaint about wild shape specifically in how it relates to circle of the moon if anyone's played circle of the moon you know that circle of the moon has basically like these waves of effectiveness that it goes through once they get their wild shape options and their circle of the moon feature at level two in 2020, uh, sorry, 2014, they become very good for all of the tier one levels, one through five, right? They're very, very good because now you have these extra hit points, you have these multi attacks in some cases with bear forms, or you have pack tactics with a wolf, or you have a panther who can now pounce and get extra attacks. You have all of these cool wild shape forms that make you too good from levels 1 to 4, or 1 to 5. But then, from level 6 to 9, you suck. You're not very good. And that's because, <laughs> frankly, once you get past CR1 beasts, there's not many good options. There's some CR2 bears that might be worth looking at. But other than that, your CR2 options for beasts are not good. In fact, your CR2 through CR6 or 7 or 8, or however high they get aren't very good. There's only like one or two that are even worth playing. The way that the Circle of the Moon gets around that in the 2014 version is that at level 10, they get Elemental Wild Shape and they get to transform into Elementals. Mm -hmm. And 
don't know if you guys have ever played with an elemental wild shaped druid. They're very good. <laughs> All of the elemental forms Quite powerful. <laughs> are fantastic, and they stay that way the rest of the way through. Like the turning into an elemental is good at level ten, and it's good at level twenty. It's good all the way through, to the point where the rest of the circle of the moon doesn't even matter at that point. So, circle of the moon had such a weird like it's really good, then it's really bad, then it's really good again, and that's just kind of how it stayed. I love the circle of the moon in this playtest. I love that it's now more moonlight focused. I love being able to use moonbeam more effectively. I love the moonlight step and the lunar form and all these other cool things that the circle of the moon druid gets. But here's the problem is now that's that, on point. But now the circle of the moon druid loses the one thing that made it competent after level five, which is the level 10 feature to transform it in an elemental. They don't have that anymore. So now with just with what we have available to us, because we don't know what may change in the future with more books or with the 2024 uh, monster manual. They said they're going to add more monsters. So maybe they're going to have better beasts. I hope they're going to have better beasts. But right now, playing a Circle of Moon Druid, using the playtest and using what options we have for beasts available to us based on what's currently printed, there's almost no reason to play a Circle of the Moon Druid past level 5. You might as well multi-class into something else because it's just not worth it. So, so my main complaint with Druid is is just give me a curated list of beasts in the back of the 2024 Player's Handbook that's specific for these Druids, and then you get to design. Here's your CR one. Here's like a CR one, you know, um, ground beast. Here's a CR one air beast. Here's a CR one swimming beast, and then. Same thing for CR2 and CR3 and so on and so forth. Now you can kind of have your chance to balance out, even if it's just like the templates, right? Even if it's just um, a, a lunar beast of the land. And then this it's the same stat block that just gets upgraded as you upgrade in your CRs, right? That's right. fine, because then you still get to do what druids get to do with like the versatility of turning turning into a spider without when you can ignore those stat blocks if you really want to get, turn into a giant spider and web something but if you want to be a circle of the moon druid that can actively participate in combat as an element as a wild shape now you have what are essentially templates that just kind of upgrade as you go in cr so it'd be like a best of both worlds scenario i would love to see that i don't know if they're gonna do that but if they want wild shape to be that the way that it is now which is closer to 2014, 2014, give me curated stat blocks in the player's handbook that I can use for my moon it really, It really feels like this is the bare minimum. Yeah, like, bare. You shouldn't, I mean, <laughs> you shouldn't make or, or even, you know, ask of a player, right. like, hey, you know, you need to go buy this other book too, let alone, yeah, like for your moon druids specifically, that'd be amazing to have these like altered versions of, of these animal forms and stuff that maybe adjust as you level up. That's fun. That's really cool. That's unique. And, but yeah, I mean, pun, pun not intended, but sure. Bare minimum. <laughs> include, include these in the back of the book. Why not? Throw them in the appendix. And I'm trying to no think, reason not to. I'm trying to think of how many stat blocks you would even need. Cause like, so circle of the because we're basically doing this for circle of the moon no one of the none of the other circles are using wild shape for combat they're using it for utility so it doesn't matter if they're yeah, using utility. a blood hawk at level 10 to scout because it's a still it's a hawk you don't have to you're not expecting the blood hawk to keep up in combat the circle of the moon right. druid is expecting to keep up in combat so you only really have to focus on 
a curated stat list for the Moon Druid primarily. And I'm trying to think of what you would need. So let's see, they have level, it's Druid level divided by three rounded down. So at maximum level, level 20, you're looking at what, seven, 14? So you're looking at six. So max CR of six. That means you need CR one, two, three, four, five. So you need six stat blocks for air, six for sea, and six for land, specifically for that. That's like a page and a half each. You could do that in like four or five pages. You don't need to put that much effort into doing it, honestly. You can just have one picture of the lunar form of the land. And it just be a bear with like cool moon markings or whatever. And then it has a CR1 stat block, a CR2 stat block, a CR3 stat block, and so on and so forth. And they don't have to be huge upgrades. They can be, you know, just as simple as upgrading their ability scores, upgrading some saving throws, upgrading some abilities. Um, maybe the, you know, the form gets a climbing speed at higher levels or whatever. Maybe the swimming form gets to swim faster at higher levels. Maybe the flying form unlocks flyby and level, level two or something like that. Like there are ways you can do it. You wouldn't have to put that much on the page for it even. So it just feels like the, the best of both worlds. Yeah. Yeah. Well, can I just say I before we that... move off of... Okay, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, before we move off of Druid, <laughs> we neglected to bring up uh, Healing Blossom because they took it away. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a big so hit to me. I was sure just going to say... Bring up also. <laughs> I actually was. <laughs> I actually personally. was going to say this. Oh, yeah. my gosh. So this is the thing. <laughs> this is the thing. Did they take it away? Not really. It's still here. <laughs> it's in the circle of the land. It's called Land's Aid, and it's th a thousand times better than Healing Blossom <laughs> ever was. Land's I was going to say before we move off the Druid, how much I love the changes to the circle of the land, because the circle land was the most boring option the Druids had as a subclass. And now with Land's Aid, with Nature Sanctuary, they're so much more evocative. They're so much cooler than they were in the 2014 handbook. Uh, and Land's Aid is exactly what you want. It is healing blossoms, but it's better because it does damage and it does better scaling uh, healing. It's just, it's great. Yeah. It's it's great. Thematically, it also, it looks cooler than just like, you know, a healing blossom on the ground. It's just thematically, it seems like a, a much cooler ability. Right. And I mean... So I have to concede on that. This is the upgrading of healing blossom and so i mean it's there even though they locked it behind a subclass but let's be real for a second here if you're playing so all of the druid the, the way the druid is basically going is that the level three feature that all the subclasses are getting is they're going to exchange your wild shape for a cool new feature right if that's the case right the old druid got i don't know what was it four uses of their channel nature and their options were summon a familiar, bad healing, sorry for people that like that feature, um, wild shape, <laughs> right? Or change your channel nature out to get your core subclass feature going. So not only was healing blossoms having to fight two better features with wild shape and with wild companion, it also now had to fight the core subclass theme of every subclass. How many wildfire druids <laughs> would ever use Healing Blossom rather than summoning their fire elemental friend? 
None. None of them I would. I mean, there might be someone. No, you know? no. No one who's reasonable and not trying to make a point. <laughs> I am not known to be reasonable. <laughs> this gives you the best version of that. It's like if you wanted to be the non-wild shaping, the no, one that's going to use your wild shape for all your healing, this is great. And funny enough, too, Land's Aid is better than almost every first level spell I can think of that a druid would want to cast. So now, thanks to Wild Resurgence, you can just spend all those first level spell slots on spells that you're not, that instead of spending them on spells you're not going to actually want to cast, you can convert them into wild shapes and use Land's Aid. It's like, basically Land's Aid is just the best first level druid spell that you're ever going to get. It's great. Now about that ranger. <laughs> <laughs> this is the last um, of your re- um, median, right? Last thing I want to say about the druid, um, because we didn't touch on Circle of the Sea, which is the other subclass that is new to this playtest. Circle of the Sea is fantastic. It fills a hole that the druids needed because they didn't have a sea-based circle and they definitely needed it. The only thing I will say is that Wrath of the Sea is so, so strong. It needs some type of reigning in. It's it's doing more with its third level feature than the best version of the Druid's alternate wild shapes is doing. The best one I can think of is like the Archer form for the Circle of Stars, right? The Circle of Stars Archer form gives you a bonus action every turn to do a good amount of radiant damage that is worth using your wild shapes for. It's a good buff. Wrath of the Sea requires one bonus action instead of a bonus action every turn. It lasts for 10 whole minutes, and it's doing more damage than that feature does that is using a bonus action every turn. Like, that's just too much. It needs something to pull it back a little bit. I don't know if that is, you know, having to spend your reaction every time you activate it on your turn, if it is having to use your bonus action to activate it every turn, or if it's just taking away that some of that damage but right now it's too much so other than that love circle the sea ready for it to go just let's tweak power levels on wrath of the sea before we print that please fair enough Mm -hmm. and now i'm ready to talk about the ranger we made it (laughs) we made it ranger um listen i will be the first to say this because i know a lot of people have problems with the ranger um in 2014 all the way up to now I have never had well, I was a real. Say, it's, it's improved, right? But I've never had a problem with the 2014 Ranger. I think it's better than people give it credit for. In fact, I think it's good. And it's just that people people have this mindset when they look at some features that are not as feel good at the table as other features, as if those features are useless. They're not useless. You're just not using them in an effective manner or you're not communicating with the dm the one thing about the 2014 ranger that i will say and will admit is that they really need the dm to buy in to your concept because the dm is going to be the one that tells you what you know where the adventure is taking place you have to know that before you choose your favorite terrain the dm is going to tell you what type of foes you might be facing most of the time you need to know that before you pick your favorite enemy so the ranger is is a little bit dependent on having a good DM and having a DM that will work with you. 
And I do agree that that's a problem. And that's why Tasha's largely shifted those features away from that towards more inward player focused features. Have no problem with that whatsoever. But when other people are going to complain about Deft Explorer, for example, coming back as a first level feature and now being a mixture of the Tasha's Deft Explorer, but also of nature, a natural explorer, which gives you favored terrains. I'm not going to complain about that because I like favored terrain. I like the benefits that it gives you. I like the theme of being really good in the terrain that you're good in. And I also like that they changed it so that you can every rest replace a terrain for adventures that take place over multiple terrains and you don't have enough choices. So I like how Deft yeah. Explorer has changed. I know a lot of people on the internet don't like that. A lot of people on the internet would rather just have two expertise and call it a day. I'm not one of them. So I want to get that out of the way first. My main issue... Yeah, this, this leans heavier into the ranger theme, especially in the, in the choice of being to change it. Right. That that solves the issue of your DM, you know, not communicating well or not being an experienced DM, maybe. And they maybe just didn't work with Think you well it. enough. And yeah. it's not necessarily that they're, you know, bad. They're learning. Right. That's this, fair, too. This allows you to fix it on the fly. That's fair, too. And I'll say this, too. I talked about the Eberron campaign that we're doing was, was all from 1 to level 20. I have a ranger in that party who um, started out using, um, I believe, the Tasha's features. I think we started just after Tasha's dropped or just as the playtest for Tasha's was dropping. So we used a lot of the Tasha's-related features for it um, and then shifted over to the 1D&D version of it. Since the first session, the Ranger in the party has been the best damage dealer to the point where I've seen this player drop 130 damage in a turn at these higher levels that we're working at now you know the ranger is good and it's been good what are they a gloom stalker no they're a hunter actually and before the oh. it's the, they switched to hunter whenever we switched to the 1D &D play test but before that they were playing a fey wanderer it's not like they were playing you know any weird build or any multi-class build they're a level 1 to 20 ranger and they're you know they're not doing anything overly special. They're casting Hunter's Mark. They're using Colossus Slayer. They're using some magical weapons that they've gotten over the course of the campaign, but nothing like they're not running around with Vorpal Swords. They're just, you know, they have weapons. Yeah. But they are just, Rangers are good. I mean, Rangers are good at dealing damage, and they're good at doing what Rangers do. What I will say is um, the biggest complaint I have about the Ranger currently is in, th in one feature and two subclasses. I'll start with a feature because it's the one that everyone is not overly excited about, and that's the favorite enemy slash Hunter's Mark. I have no problem with making, hunt making Hunter's Mark your core ranger spell. What I don't like is how it shuts off rangers from doing other things with concentration. Because now the ranger in this playtest has access to the entire primal spell list. Now a ranger can cast Flaming Sphere and concentrate on that. That's way better than Hunter's Mark. They can you know, uh, conjure animals. They can do that. It's way better. Like, they can do so many other things with your concentration that Hunter's Mark isn't really working for me um, in terms of being a core feature. Because if I'm playing a Hunter, if I'm playing a Beastmaster, both of those subclasses want to use Hunter's Mark. I don't want to use it as a Ranger. That's all it is. Hunter's Mark needs one of two changes. Either leave it concentration, but make it worth casting. Make that damage every hit. Make the damage better. Make it automatically scale. I don't know. But do something that makes it better than 1d6 once a turn for concentration. That's just not enough. Or 
you can leave it as a 1d6 once per turn small damage rider and take concentration away. Like, one of those two things needs to happen because it's just not working when you compare it to other concentration spells the ranger should be casting instead. I'm mostly fine with the rest of the subclass, or the rest of the class. The only other real problem that I have with ranger is the same problem I have with the bard. If you look at the Beastmaster and if you look at the Hunter, you can tell these things were designed in 2014 or before that. They don't have extended spell lists like the other two subclasses in this playtest have. Or like any other Ranger has gotten since the, you know, first extra Ranger dropped in Xanathar's Guide. Like, they need extended spell list for the hunter they need it for the beastmaster i love the beastmaster changes that are pretty much just the tasha changes but with a little bit extra spice in there that's great i love the new hunter um changes now that they get to pick their options now again at level three and at level seven i don't love 11 to level level 11 level 14 just going back to those features i feel like you should have some extra like i would like superior hunter's prey and superior hunter's defense to say you gain another feature from hunter's prey or one of these other features and give you more options that are like higher level. I would love to see that come back. But if they stayed the same as it is now and they just added extra spells to both of these subclasses, I'd be okay with it. So please, Watsy, add extra spells to Hunter and to Beastmaster <laughs> and just figure Hunter's Mark out. That's all I need. You do those things and I like this Ranger. Hunter's Mark's a really good point. Um, between the two, I... I'd kind of like to see it uh, just drop concentration entirely and just have it something you, you expect to have up every turn. And the 1d6 is fine. Um, that way you could still focus on some of your new concentration spells too. Mm-hmm. Or, I, I mean... mean if, I, I like it. It's a really good point that you brought that up, period, though, because I think we glossed over that. Or if they wanted to, like... You could just make Hunter's Mark into the version their version of Smite, honestly. Like, when you roll initiative, you mark a creature... As, you know, as a free action, no bonus action, no concentration, but the mark doesn't do anything except for make you track that creature better. And then when you hit your marked creature, you can spend a spell slot to deal extra damage like you would a Paladin Smite. I like that, too, as, an, as a possible fix. That's fun. That but, sounds fun. Yeah. 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 So there's there's options here. It's just figure it out because right now it's not quite you working. You just start the combat. You, you, like, glare at one enemy in particular. You point at your eyes. You point at his eyes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're mine, mother. Oh no, <laughs> you're mine. <laughs> yeah, that's my that's my thought on on the three classes that are just they're almost there. Good points all around. And then there's monk. Now, we've got one left. Yeah, we got monk. All right, I'm going to try and not talk for an hour about this. I promise you. No, no, you're good. You got like uh, 13 minutes. Okay, okay, great, perfect, <laughs> plenty of time. <laughs> Here's what I'll say. With the monk, of the four subclasses they present here, right? Shadow, Elements, Hand, and mm-hmm. Mercy. Mostly good. They're almost there. Right. I agree with that. Warrior of Shadow, Warrior of Mercy, both ready to go. Love them both. Warrior of the Elements, almost there. Warrior of the Elements, I love Elemental Attunement. I love Stride of the Elements. I love the whole idea of Elemental Epitome. Um, I have two issues with the warrior of the elements environment environmental burst their six level feature just is too expensive for not enough damage they need to drop discipline points by one they need to give me maybe one or two martial arts damage dice on top of it it's just not good enough 
at sixth level to be the feature that it is. And then the other issue that I have is ele uh, elemental epiphany, or sorry, epitome. I like that it gives you damage resistance. The problem, though, is that it's giving you a damage resistance, and then it's tying that damage into its destructive stride feature, which is a problem. Because if I'm using this feature and gaining fire resistance because I'm fighting a devil or a dragon or an elemental, why is my destructive stride dealing fire damage to those creatures that are going to ignore it? That that doesn't make sense. Yeah. So the, the damage resistance and the damage of destructive stride and the damage of empowered strikes needs to be decoupled. You need to be able to pick a resistance and then deal a different damage type. Because otherwise, the, you, you don't one of those features isn't working for you in, in higher level combats. I'd also like to see... Yeah, that's, go, go ahead, go ahead. I understand why they, why they right. do couple them, though. Because if you're channeling, you know... The, you know, fire. So <laughs> then that's that's your right. total vibe. I understand why it's both. Right. I do understand that as well. But the way that you fix this thematically is, and this is another issue that I have too, is that I don't really like acid as a stand-in for earth element, right? I don't like that. I'd rather it go back to being thunder or, I hell, even bludgeoning, honestly, or force or something. But acid doesn't really work for me. Acid feels more like water than anything else. So, Acid is kind of funky, yeah. Right, so an, a way that you can fix both of those issues, right, is add one more damage type, right, So and, and allow each of your different elements, because really what they're doing, they're not saying it, but this is the Avatar monk, right? This is the monk that is meant to be an a, a elemental bender from Avatar the Last Airbender. Great, love that. So if you are going to lean into this, why don't you just allow you to, like, allow the player to pick multiple damage types for each element, right? Because think about that cartoon for anybody who has watched Avatar The Last Airbender, Legend of Korra. Firebenders can also use lightning, right? So why not just make each one of these four elements that you're trying to, to blend into this have two different damage types that you can associate with it? So if you're fire, you can be fire or lightning, right? If you're water, you can be cold or acid because both of those kind of are very watery. Um, if you're wind, you can be lightning or cold, like a really cold breeze, right? And then if you're earth, you can be acid like a swamp, or you can be thunder like rocks. And so now if you have that type of like mental image that you're going into this with, now you can take elemental uh, epitome and say, I'm going to channel fire to fight this fire element because I want the fire resistance, but I'm going to deal lightning damage instead because... Yeah, that's still technically the same element, mostly. You know what I mean? Like that's why decoupling it to me makes thematic sense, because you can still say, "I am a f I'm channeling fire, but I'm using lightning instead of the fire because it's it's still within my little wheelhouse and it's not gonna be useless <laughs> against this fire elemental." <laughs> like that's the only thing to me with the worry the most. Otherwise, I'm mostly fine with the worry of elements. I really like elemental attunement. I really want to stress that part. Um, Before we leave, elements, and then there's the I have a question. Okay, go ahead. About yes, please. One of these abilities that you didn't touch on that me and Tyler talked about, which was elemental strikes and whether or not it is in a intended state right now, or if this is poor wording. Which is the on a failed save, you can move your target up to ten feet toward or away from you. Then coupled with reach, giving you ten feet greater than normal reach, 
allowing you to technically now Mortal Kombat juggle your enemy to then add fall damage. To add fall, so you're saying like, um, oh, are you trying Juggling to say ten feet up. away up in the? Ter- oh, okay. I didn't so think about that. Richard, wants, yeah. <laughs> Richard thinks as intended. <laughs> he could uh, uppercut someone into the sky. Therefore, <laughs> they will take bludgeoning damage on the way down. Is not the cloud away from me? And. <laughs> While I understand his point based on the current reading, I do not personally believe this to be the intended. He's not going to allow this at his table, to which I say they need to revise the wording if this is not intended. But do you think that this is intended or do you think this is a wording issue? I don't think that that is intended. I think that that is a a generous liberal reading of away from you. (laughs) See, and and Garrett is well-seasoned, so you have to take this as fact. I I just want the (laughs) combo. The thing, um, the thing I will say is that, and maybe this is an issue that D and D has that they need to fix, but D and D, when they talk about rules, they assume that you are, talking about a 2d plane instead of a 3d plane yeah they're assuming you're walking talking about a 2d map and that's it there's not a lot of verticality assumed in D, except for you know the exceptions which is like the fly spell and things like that so maybe they could be more clear with it uh, i do agree with that idea but generally when they talk about towards or away from you and pushing and pulling <laughs> effects they're talking about a 2d plane uh, i'm just saying imagine if you will i'm imagining imagining <laughs> Imagine a dark sky. <laughs> a dark sky. Right. And it is more than 10 feet away from me. So the last subclass, the so Warrior yeah, you, of the Hand. you think it's not intended. Okay. No, I don't think it's intended. I want to talk about the Warrior Hand real quick because the Warrior of, hand, of the Hand is awful. Aww. It's bad. It's just a bad I mean, subclass. this is the one that we weren't super big on either. Yeah, we weren't super big on it except for the fact that it does sound very like thematic monk like Here's, I'm gonna step up I mean, I agree and with do you. all these cool things to everybody around me. I agree with you. Grouped. I agree with you, but here's the two here's the thing. Here's the reason why it's bad. Two of its four features. The reason you were wrong. No, that's not what I mean. It's thematically you're correct. <laughs> thematically you're absolutely correct. Okay. But two of its four features, the open wrong. hand technique and the fleet step, are based on features that do not synergize together. Because they use the exact same resources and they're based on features that aren't particularly great in the first place they're discipline points flurry of blows step of the wind not great features they need major fixes and so tying your two of your biggest bonuses on your subclass to those features specifically not great especially when you're doing it with things that should be in the core class which i'm going to get to in a second and then their third of their fourth features, Quivering Palm, got a hella nerf. It's so much worse than it was in 2014. I don't understand why. Now it's doing less damage on a failed save than it was doing on a successful one in 2014. When your opponent succeeded against your Quivering Palm, they are going to take better damage more damage from you than they will if you hit them in this playtest version and actually they fail the save. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. It's just way worse. 
So they took the only real cool thing about the subclass and they just nerfed it into the <laughs> ground. And then they kept building. The only benefit here that's really good is wholeness of body. I like wholeness of body. That's a good feature. It still conflicts with the rest of the subclass because it's a bonus action and it uses discipline points. But at least it's a pretty decent feature. And then mostly you're going to use it out of combat. But that's fine. But the rest of it's just not very yeah. good. And the reason why it's not very good is because it's all tied into the core class features for this monk, which are god-awful most of the way through. They're not good. Yeah, that's kind of where we landed on it as well. Which so, was that overall, not great. So here's what I don't understand. You talked all about in this playtest giving your marshals something new and exciting to do with weapon masteries. You talked about making sure the monk's damage kept up with people. You are you talked about all these things. And then you just made it all worse. The, <laughs> the martial arts die going from a D6 to a D10, love that. Good change. But it doesn't matter because you took the martial arts die away from weapons. And you know what weapons do? Weapon masteries. <laughs> which was what you said the cool monk was going to get. Yeah. And here's the other problem with weapon masteries, is you don't even get good ones. You get simple weapons. None of the simple weapon masteries are that good for a monk. And the ones that are good for the monk are the ones the monk can't use because they're the heavy ones, the two-handed ones they can't use. It doesn't make sense. They don't get any martial weapon proficiencies, which, by the way, locks them out of all of the cool martial uh, feats that they could take, take like Charger and... All the other ones that require, I can't remember off the top of my head, like, I think Polar Master requires martial weapon proficiencies. All these other cool feats that you might want to take, the monk can't take because it doesn't have the proficiency in a, in a martial weapon. So all of these simple weapons have bad weapon masteries that you don't want to use anyway. So weapon mastery is a wasted feature. And it doesn't, none of the weapons scale with martial arts die. And your unarmed strikes don't get any interaction with the new weapon mastery features. None of it makes any sense. Why would I ever use a weapon mastery as a monk when I could just punch people instead? And then I'm missing out on weapon masteries from the get-go. Just, it just isn't... Yeah. That itself is baffling. And then on top of that, now you have these martial disciplines with flurry of blows, patient defense, step of the wind. None of that is fixed. The biggest problem with the monk in 2014 is that it's so reliant on key points and it doesn't have enough of them. And all of your features are using key points, but you don't have enough to use them on. Like, they nerfed Stunning Strike into the ground, which I'm not overly upset about because Stunning Strike needed a nerf in some capacity because Stunning Strike was the only thing worth using key on in 2014. If you were playing a monk, the only effective way to play it was to stun everyone. And it wasn't fun. So I'm okay with nerfing Stunning Strike. I'm okay with that. What I'm not okay with is not improving anything else. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, on the bright side, now you don't use key points for anything. Oh, shut up. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you, really quick, like you the, you raised the biggest point, which, which yeah, like... They make this big deal about where, yeah, we're raising you from a, you know, D4 to D6, and that's going to scale, et cetera, so whatever. You know, you're not it's level 17 if you're really seeing, like, your, your good dies and stuff like that. Oh, also, you get weapon mastery. Yeah, which, pick one. Like, if this if this base class is going to lean so heavily into unarmed strikes, then 
why is weapon mastery even a selling point? Right. If you're it's never going to use it. It's not. Here's the, here's the easy answer to me. I have two things I can think of. And I would like to point out, almost all of my issues with the monk are in early level features. I still like slow fall. I still like unarmored movement. I still like, I really like empowered strikes that allows you to do force damage. I still like evasion. I still like extra attack. Mm -hmm. I like deflect missiles, even though I don't think it should cost you a key point to throw it back, but whatever, that's a different thing. I like deflect element or energy or whatever it's called. I like a lot of so these high features. level though. I mean, I still why like is, it. I why still is like it, it so far away though? Because I mean, you're not going to deal with a lot of elemental damage until like tier three and four anyway. It maybe could be a level 10 feature instead of level 13, but I don't really mind where it's at. The bigger thing I have is that heightened metabolism, which is supposed to fix that whole not having enough discipline points thing, right? Mm -hmm. Is it seventh level? Why is it at seven? Yep. Why isn't it's it at that why isn't it at five? Or better yet, why isn't it at three? Like, put it somewhere I believe that's earlier. We, when we discussed it, I think we wanted it at third yeah, level. Yeah, I think we wanted it at third level is what we said. Yeah. Like, I would be okay with it being at third, fourth, or fifth. Literally any of those three levels. I'd be okay with it. It's not yeah. good at seven. Like, why is it there? No. It's horrible yeah. It's there. too far behind. Um, I So, like, I like a lot of this stuff. I really do. I just, like, the problem is, is it's all built on a faulty mechanic with discipline points. And... And the support for the monk to use weapons and use unarmed strikes just isn't there. What I would like to see, I have two major changes I want to see in the main monk. I would love to see unarmed strikes and weapon masteries blended together better. The best way I can think to do this is take the warrior of the hand features, the open hand technique, that allows you to, when you hit with an unarmed strike, well, specifically with Florida Blows, but... Move this into the core class. When you hit with a fist, you know, with an unarmed strike attack, allow them to use these three features, which, by the way, are basically just weapon masteries. Push and topple are right there. They do almost the exact same thing. Addle isn't great. Replace that with Vex. And now you have, you know, open hand technique should be a level one monk feature or a level two at worst monk feature that says when you hit a creature with an unarmed strike, you can apply one of the following effects. No key point needed. It just once per turn or once per attack, do these things. And it gives you three different weapon mastery features that you can apply to your unarmed strikes. That should be a core monk class that should not be a worse version of the hand monk's ability. Like that should just be in the main class. And then let weapon mastery, let weapons use martial arts die. If you do that and you give unarmed strikes a few curated weapon masteries and you let weapons be as good as unarmed strikes and damage all of a sudden you have fixed the main issue now my martial arts and my weapons work together as they should the other issue that they have is martial discipline the two ways you fix that is just move heightened metabolism up so that you can get more key points quicker and then mm -hmm. give the monk a way to use these features without discipline points. I don't know if that is saying you can use a martial discipline feature proficiency times your long, like per long rest without spending martial discipline points. Or better yet, and we kind of already see this in the class, Flurry of Blows, right, is a discipline point to make two unarmed strikes as bonus action. They also have Dexterous Attack in Martial Arts, which is an unarmed strike as a bonus action when you use an unarmed strike or a simple weapon, no need to spend discipline. 
So Flurry of Blows is spend a key to get one extra attack on that, right? Why don't they have other features like that for Step of the Wind and for Patient Defense? Why is it now, so Step of the Wind is one discipline point to take Disengage and Dash as a bonus action at the same time. Great. I love mm -hmm. that improvement. But what they should also get at level one in their martial arts section is something called, I don't know, Nimble Escape that allows them to either dash or disengage as a bonus action, not spending a key point or a discipline point. So you don't spend it, you get to pick one. You do spend it, you get to pick both. Seems pretty great yeah. to me. Like, that helps you become a skirmisher without having to worry about your discipline points. It also lets you still do monk things when you're out of discipline points, right? Because you can still yeah, take so that extra unarmed strike. You can, still, you can still take that bonus action to run away easier. And then patient defense, I don't know what to do with that one, but like... Make it a bonus action to, I don't know, give you plus two AC, like a Shield of Faith spell or something like that, um, without having to spend a discipline point. And then when you spend a discipline point, you get to dodge, and then when you spend, you know, whatever. You get the idea. Give them those features, tune them down a little bit, let them do it for free, no discipline point needed. Then let them use discipline points to enhance them at later levels. At level two, mm -hmm. now you can do Flurry, now you can do Patient Defense, now you can do Step of the Wind. Maybe at level 11, when they need a Damage Kicker, to try and keep up damage-wise, now maybe Flurry of Blows at level 11 deals three extra attacks instead of two, right? Now maybe Patient Defense does uh, the dodge action plus you get the resistance to uh, bludging, piercing, slashing when you get hit, right? Maybe Step of the Wind does dash and disengage and the jump distance, and you also get a temporary fly speed. I don't know. But give them something at level 11 that builds off those martial discipline features, right? So... Mm -hmm. That way, at level one, you get to use miniature versions of these. At level two, you get to use the regular versions of these for discipline points. And then at level 11, you get to use the biggest versions of these for discipline points. And that keeps your survivability up. It keeps your damage up. And it doesn't interfere with the core monk features, right? Right. If you're going to do that, then my other main suggestion is... Please take discipline points out of some of these features. Deflect missiles does not need a discipline point to throw the attack back. You don't need that. You know, uh, I don't necessarily need think that um, superior defense necessarily needs to be. I guess superior defense. Now that I think about it, is very similar to what I want for an upgraded patient defense feature. So I'm not like. That's a great... Actually, now that I'm looking at it, this is a great example. Superior defense can be the upgrade to patient defense. Maybe it needs to be a little earlier than thir than 18th level, but it's a cool yeah, idea. 18th level, it's a bit far out there, right. but it's a good idea. But then give me upgrades to Step of the Wind and give me upgrades to Flurry of Blows in the higher levels to go along with that. And also decrease the cost of superior defense from three key points to two. I think you'd be fine. Anyway... That's the general point is like if you're going to still keep key points, discipline points, whatever you're going to call them, give me ways to use those martial disciplines without them that are just a little less, and then give me ways to use the discipline points on the main features at higher levels that are better. Give me three attacks for flurry blows. Give me all that extra good stuff. That's what I want to see, and take discipline points away from things like deflect missiles. And you know what? Take take tunning. Uh, sorry. Take Stunning Strike out of the base class. I know people aren't going to agree with that. Take it out of the base class and, and make that the Way of the Open Hand feature. Like, instead of Way of the Open Hand, if we're going to take Open Hand Technique and put it in the core class of the monk, 
and change it around a little bit so it's basically unarmed weapon masteries. Replace open hand technique with stunning strike. Let warrior of the hand be yeah, the stunning. Yeah. And you can take stunning strike and and you can give it a little like a smaller version. If third level's too early for stunning strike, then open hand technique can be dazing strike that uses the daze condition instead of the stun condition. And then wholeness of body can move down to eleventh level to replace fleet step, which I don't think is very good anyway. And wholeness of body can get buffed a little bit so it's a better eleventh level feature. And then you can put wholeness of body's place at level six can be the full stunning strike feature. And then now the warrior hand has a clear theme, which is I am the monk that like blocks your chakra points or whatever you want to call it, whatever feature that you ha- like in your favorite anime or martial arts film, whatever, that has a core concept now of being the stunner, the one that locks people down, whereas the elements is the one that runs around the battlefield and pushes people around, and the warrior of the shadows is the one that does all of the cool ninja stuff. Like Now each of them have a better core theme now the whole stunning strike problem of it being too good for every monk is gone because now it's just good for the one monk that it's in the base class of which means that you can now un nerf it you can make it back to normal stunning strike and it would be fine like i just there's so much they could be doing with this monk that they're not and i i could probably go for another fucking hour if we really wanted to (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think we all agreed is that this this just missed the mark because it wasn't as hard of a reset as we think that Monk needed. They tried to, they really, really did try and keep it very samey and fix all these problems and just renaming key to discipline wasn't enough. <laughs> like it's, well, yeah, And the it's funny thing too is like, there. I don't think it needs, the funny thing too is I don't think it needs a huge reboot. I I like a lot of the stuff is that is here. It just, there are some parts where it just doesn't, it's like the puzzle looks good on the box art, but then the pieces, there's like one piece or two pieces missing or the pieces are slightly off. If you fixed the way that weapons and unarmed strikes interacted in this feature, that would be great. You know, if you fixed your main problem of not having enough discipline points, by removing discipline points from a lot of the extra stuff, like deflect missiles, like stunning strike, like other places where you're spending all this extra discipline you don't need to spend because you don't have enough of it, and then you moved heightened metabolism up to third or fourth level, then I think discipline's fine. Like, I don't have a problem with the way that they're trying to make martial discipline and discipline points work, but you've got to give us ways to do monk things that don't require discipline points. And you've got to make sure that when we use discipline points, they're worth it. Little dirty little secret about the monk in 2014 is that key points, those martial disciplines or whatever they were called back then, weren't worth the key points. They weren't. Patient defense was the only one worth it. Flurry of blows, not worth spending a a key point for. Step of the wind, not worth spending a key point for. Because you had options in your subclass or in stunning strike that were just way better and you didn't have enough key points to throw around so give us ways to use those without discipline points remove the discipline tax from this monk make unarmed strikes and weapons work better and fix the god awful warrior of the of the hand and i think that this is like salvageable i think that there's a monk in here that is good it's just it needs help 
And it was luckily this is their first crack at it, and we've already seen yeah. they're willing to like you know really change up some of these things based on you know user feedback. Survey is very important, everyone. So I, I'm excited to see very what the next take will be. I my only Actually, concern is. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I was going to say, actually, I'm I'm just for this episode overall, I'm a little saddened that it seems the three of us have agreed as much as we have, because I was hoping for some conflict. <laughs> conflict is interesting, but nope, we're yeah, just yeah. all like, yeah, you know what? You're right. <laughs> like, here's the thing. My main worry about this monk is not that wizards won't fix it. My main worry is that wizards won't have time to fix it because they are coming up on 2024. They are going to release this book. They have got to get it to print a few months in advance, probably. Two months, maybe. I don't know how long the printing takes. But they've got to get these features locked in soon. And the way that they have been doing it, are they going to have enough time to really test the Monk again? Because I don't know if the next Monk version will be good enough. It might be better. But is it going to be the final version? I don't know. Do they have the time to playtest it properly? That's my main concern. Because Monk came out so late in the process. Monk should have been the first yeah. thing they tested. It should have been the first subclass that came, or the first class that came out. Because it was the one that needed the most help. The fact that it was the last one and that it came so late in the process, I'm that's my worry, is that they don't have time to actually fix it. And I really hope that I'm proven know, I wrong. Think... I really hope that the next playtest, which should drop like next month in August, I really hope it has another monk. I don't know how they're going to get the survey results in time and redesign it in time, but I hope it somehow does. Yeah, I think they're probably already working on it because it's not like the community has been silent about this. And I think that these playtest results are going to come back and I think they already know what to expect. So it wouldn't surprise me to know that they are already working on it, even without all playtest results back in. So, I hope so. I hope I don't so. Know. I have faith. I have faith that they're gonna that they're gonna work on this in time to get us another revision, and hopefully it'll be hopefully it'll be better. I hope so. Well, uh, anyone have anything they want to throw in last minute before we wrap it up? Um, no, I'm good. The, I do have one last thing I want to talk about. Um, Go for it. We didn't really talk about a lot, but uh, trickery domain gets my vote for most improved subclass um in one D D ever it's fantastic <laughs> love it all the way around <laughs> um and i just want to talk about this some of the spells upgrades i know we already talked about the uh, banishing smite needs more work but all the other smites have been improved love that vicious mockery was improved love that um power word kill power sorry powered kill power word heal both improved love that um I love Conjure Volley and Conjure Barrage now. Both of those were got improved. Um, so I like a lot of the spell work here. Uh, the only other thing I would say is I think Elementalism as a cantrip could do a little bit more than it does. And Hunter's Mark needs something. Um, and obviously the Banishing Smite. Other than that, I like it. I'm, I'm mostly good here. Yeah. Nice. Well, really quick, where can people find you, Garrett? Uh, you can find me at Twitter, I guess, is the only real place to find me as a Garrett KP. You, oh, um, you mean you, mean, you X. mean X? Oh, that's right, Twitter. on X. Oh boy, that's right. You can X Garrett. Oh boy. Okay, never mind. Don't find me on Twitter. On X. <laughs> cool. Uh, <laughs> I, I I may have just blacked out for a second. Uh, did you say uh, where they can find you on X at? Uh, what's your handle? Uh, it's Garrett KP. 
G-A-R-R-E-T-T-K-P. Because I'm original with my name. You heard it, folks. Track him down. You can also find me at <laughs> GarrettKP22 on Instagram, but I don't really post on social media very much. So really, you can find me the next He's time I'm on this podcast. There's lots of delicious meals on the Instagram. Yeah, In it's fact, a foodie blog. Don't follow him for Dungeons & Dragons. Follow him for the food because yeah. it's mouthwatering every time. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, uh, that wraps it up for now. Uh, I've been Tyler. I've been Richard. And I've been Garrett. We've been True Strike. Hey, adventurers. Thanks again for joining us today. Please be sure to give us a follow on your favorite podcasting platforms and YouTube. If there's any questions like right into the show, you can hit us up on threads or Instagram. New episodes release every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern. Thank you for listening to True Strike.